0: to On The Hard Days, a podcast for mothers seeking community and support from those who get it. What if I told you that you are the best mother for your child? What if I told you that despite all the challenges and hardships parenting brings, you already have within you the tools you need to form a strong, positive connection with your child? My name is Megan Champion and I'm a mother of three young children. I'm also a longtime elementary school educator. Not long ago, I believed I was a bad mother. I believed I was unable to meet my child's needs. I believed that no one understood what I was going through. Finding myself as a parent changed my life, and now I'm on a mission to empower mothers everywhere. Join me as I unpack parenting challenges I've faced and provide practical strategies and takeaways you can use today. It takes a village to raise a child, but mothers need a village too. On the hard days, support is right here. On the hard days, you are not alone. Welcome back. I wasn't sure what to call this episode. So I think I'm going to call it a rough night. (laughs) I was leaning towards a title that had something to do with empathy, but it wasn't just about empathy. And I was leaning towards a title that had something to do with hunger and being hangry, but it wasn't just about that either. Really, when you're raising a challenging child, sometimes you can't put your finger down on the exact root cause of an issue. And so try as I might, I don't have a root issue to this one. Well maybe I will after I talk this out but at the moment we're just going to simply entitle this one a rough night. Now why am I choosing to tell this story? I want to make it very clear and I think I have before but I'm going to do it again that I am not a parenting expert. Very far from it and not only that but we are not through to the other side. I have learned a lot about who I am as a mother, and I have accepted myself as a mother, and I have accepted my child, and all of that growth came in the last year. And that is one piece of the message that I am spreading in this community that I am starting. But that is not the only piece. I do not have advice to hand out to say, if you follow steps X, Y, and Z, then all of your problems will disappear, right? So. I'm still in the thick of it. It's different now than it was when Mr. Seven was a preschooler, which I would designate ages three and four as the worst for his issues. But five was no cakewalk and six was not a breeze at all. The kindergarten transition was terrible. And here we are at seven and there's great moments and there's bad moments. And so I thought, you know, I've taken a dive so far on this podcast into some of the rough moments we've had when Mr. Seven was younger, but how about one right now? Here's what happened. It started this afternoon after Mr. Seven played outside for two hours. We got good outdoor fresh air time in for him. He was playing in the snow. When he came in with his siblings, he kicked off his winter boots and His winter boots have a home right against the wall at the bottom of the stairs. And he was asked to move his boots to that spot. And he refused, you know, and when Mr. Seven refuses something, he's not like, no, I'd rather not. He's like, no, you know, like he's on fire. I have learned over the years that my child is intense. Raise your hand if you have an intense child. (laughs) I think many of my listeners are putting both hands up. You can't change intensity. You can't change it. I can't calm him down if he doesn't want to be calmed down. I can't ramp him up either. He just is intense when he is intense. And so I said, or I don't remember if it was my husband or I, but we said, you know, put your boots where they go. And that was given lots of pushback. There was lots of pushback there. So he threw a fit about putting his boots against the wall and they were covered in snow and they're all over the basement and the other t- kids came in and we told them the same thing and they did it and they went upstairs and he was still there yelling about his boots. And then he eventually said something like, "Well, if I put them there, I'm I'm going to kick them or I'm going to throw them over there." And I ignored that comment because he's looking for me to give it back to him. I'm not going to engage in a fight over this. And I know he won't actually do it or if he does do it, he won't go running up the stairs. He'll he'll wait for a reaction and eventually he'll fix it so he did he chucked his boots against the wall he he picked them up like the issue at hand was that he didn't want to touch them because they had snow on them and he didn't want his hands to get wet so sensory issue right except when he was angry he picked them up and he chucked them so it wasn't that hard for him to pick them up or maybe it was but when he's in anger you know full of anger he doesn't mind picking them up and chucking them so he did he threw them against the wall well they pretty much landed where i wanted them to go (laughs) And, of course, he's trying to show me how angry he is. So then he kicks them away from the wall because they already were put where I needed them to be, and I was just going to let it be and say nothing at all. But, no, he wants to show me that he's still angry. So he kicks them away. Well, now I've got to go back against that, you know, and here we go. And I hate, I hate this. I hate playing these games. I hate engaging in this garbage. Like, it makes me angry because he's, he is more than this and I am more than this and now we're going to engage in a battle over snow boots come on however he kicked them and now they're not in their spot and now they're like across the room so I said buddy I don't even know what I said I think I said you need to put them back well fine but I'm gonna scream and it's like again I'm not going to engage those boots got back where they needed to be he didn't pick them up and gently place them there he kicked them back over I don't care though because this isn't about a battle of the wills. It's not about control. Because when it was about control, guess who lost? Me. We don't have normal kids. And I say that out of frustration, but also out of half-joking. But what I really mean is, these kids are asynchronous, they're out of the box. The conventional, societal wisdom on how to handle them don't necessarily work. So he Got them back in their spot. And as he was getting them back in their spot, he started screaming about how hungry he was. Now, it was about an hour till dinner. He eats around five. We go as early as we can. Dinner is often not made and he doesn't want baby food, quote unquote. He wants a real dinner. But the real dinner isn't often ready at five. I give him a midday snack. It can be multiple items. Of course, he doesn't want too much. I don't know. He's picky about the snack too. But either way, he has a big snack. And today, maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's my fault because they were out in the snow for two hours, and guess what I gave them when they came in? Hot chocolate. Because hot chocolate is a special treat, and I remember having hot chocolate when I came in from playing in the snow, and, you know, I'm just wanting to make my children happy and bring a smile to their face, and so. But that's loaded with sugar, and maybe this was a sugar crash. Either way, he was famished, instantly famished. He went from, who even knows, he's probably not hungry at all, to, oh my God, he's going to die if he doesn't eat right now right and we know that this is an ongoing problem with Mr. Seven. So he gets up the stairs. Well, no, actually before he even gets up the stairs. I'm talking to him like, "All right, let's just go have a snack, you know? We we've got plenty of things." And I even offered eggs. <laughs> those darn eggs, those stupid eggs. I was like, "Dude, you can even have eggs." "No, I'm not eating eggs. That's going to make me too full. I'm not having eggs." I'm like, "Okay. All right, so he doesn't want to be too full." And I get this, like I get he wants a real dinner. It's 4:30. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. And so I think he said something like, well, what are we having? And I said, I said, I don't know. I don't know what we're having. Go upstairs and find out. And I didn't know what we were having because Mr. Seven's grandma was over and she brought dinner. So he, I said, you can go find out. So he climbs the stairs and of course he's already angry. He's already been set off. You know, he's already going about the boots and about the hunger. And he bursts upstairs into the kitchen and screams, Something like, what is my dinner? Or something like that. And it came across extremely rude and disrespectful. Now, did he intend for that? No. What was he trying to do there? Like, let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. Because when you think, and actually, it's probably not you, because you guys are in the thick of it with me. Let's take a a parent who might not have a challenging child, a really challenging child. When you think your child is being disrespectful on purpose, I would place a bet that nine times out of ten, it's not on purpose. It is, you know, there's another reason for it. And in his case, in this instance, he was just trying to show his anger. But it came out really rude, and, you know, it's not acceptable. And it's frustrating. And so what happened after that? Well, Mr. Seven was disrespectful, really disrespectful, and really hurtful in the way that he came across. And, well this is kind of controversial in my own head but here it is he needed to apologize Now, this comes with a a boulder of salt I don't know what camp you're in pretty much all people fall into the apologies or what we need to make the world go round. or I would never make my child apologize because it's damaging to their mental health and I am somewhere between the two I often with my kids when they have done something that hurts a sibling or whatever I have said something like Well, it would be really nice to apologize or let's say Mr. Seven knocks Miss Seven down by accident. He doesn't do that on purpose, at least not at seven years old. And if he knocks her down by accident, it's like you can go, oops, sorry about that. And he'll say, I don't talk like that. I'm not saying that. Okay. Well, you can just say, sorry, I'm not being nice. That's being nice. I don't do nice. Okay. Well, you could give her a hug. I'm not giving her a hug. No, I'm not doing that. Or last but not least, hey, are you okay? which is Miss Seven's favorite, and she uses it all the time. Hey, are you okay? I'm not asking if they're okay. That's that's too nice, and I don't do those things. right? So he refuses all forms of showing empathy, and this was no different. Now, do I feel that he doesn't feel that empathy inside of him? He does feel that empathy inside of him. He does, absolutely 100%. I have seen it. I can tell. But it is something about vulnerability for him that makes him extremely uncomfortable. It can be vulnerability due to sadness, due to anger, due to even being super excited. He doesn't even want to see his peers watch him become super animated. Like he's got to be in control at all times. Of course, at home, he's never in control. And maybe it's because he's trying to keep himself in control at all times. And so... He can't stand that feeling of admitting wrongdoing or admitting an accident or admitting a hurt. And it comes across like he does not feel empathy, but I know he does. But I also know that Mr. Seven is stubborn. Now, this is the same child who, during the eight, six to eight months of torturous potty training at age four, held his pee for 12 hours at a time just so he wouldn't have to pee at all. And I'm talking pee, just pee. Forget the other issue. That was even longer. But just peeing, like he would hold it, hold it for 12 hours, hold it till he was in pain. It's, it's about control. It's about control. And I know that. I know that about him, but I also don't know what to do. And let's put it this way. He, if he can hold his pee for 12 hours, he can surely go multiple hours without showing empathy when it's needed. And that's what he did. Multiple hours refusal flat out no no hug no sorry no are you okay no nothing and it's like he actually at one point started to panic over it he his stomach started to hurt he started hyperventilating kind of thing and he does that once in a while I I truly it doesn't fit the mold of an exact panic attack but I he's not doing it for show he's not doing it for show that's not how he works he's panicking and it's really hard It's really hard to watch him in that state. It's really hard because you want to say, forget it. It's okay. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to show remorse. You don't have to show empathy. But now an hour and a half has gone by. So I don't really have a choice. We don't really have a choice. We're kind of stuck. And I guess what I'm saying here is, well, let's first of all show you how this ended. Two hours later... He held my hand, he closed his eyes, and he backed up into a side hug. That's how it ended. Now, what good did that do? And I don't have the answer. I'm not, I don't have the answer to this question. What good did that do? Did he learn a lesson? Will he do it again next time? Does he now know that we're in charge and he's not? Does he know who the authority is? Does he even feel remorse anymore? I don't have the answer to any of these questions and that's kind of the problem because when you raise a child, especially in our societal norms, it's like you will do as I say because this is wrong and you need to fix it. Okay, but what if you have a child who won't? What if you have a child who won't? Are you going to push them to the limit? To, to what? To what? Exert your authority, your dominance? That's pretty much the exact opposite of who I am. At the same time, If an hour and a half goes by and I give up, or my husband gives up, what does that show him? That he's the authority? That he gets to exert his dominance over us? No. How can we form an equal partnership, a working partnership with a challenging child who refuses often, very often, to back down or to show empathy or remorse or love? And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It is a struggle. And so that's how it ended. I mean, it ended. The backup, eyes closed, half hug is how it ended. I don't think he learned a lesson. I certainly think he would do it again and be just as stubborn about backing down on that. It's just not how he works. Kid could hold his pee for 12 hours at age 4. And so in the end, this was a lose-lose situation, in my opinion. I mean, there was compliance, but at what cost? At what cost? And I have to admit that it eats at me. It eats at me because on the one hand, I feel sad. Why can't he just, why can't he just apologize? Like, even if you don't even mean it, which, gosh, we've said that before. We've thought that before, right? It's like, just do it. Just do the right thing, even if you don't mean it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that. You should sometimes lie. Well, if it makes the other person feel better, yeah, but not always. Well, it's going to get it over with if you just say sorry. Yeah, but then it loses the whole point of apologizing. Do you see? I've got like the angel and devil on my shoulders and they're going on it right now. Like, what is the point? What is the point? But even if you remove the word sorry, we have other ways of showing this like a hug is a great way but Mr. Seven doesn't give hugs except to me he doesn't go out of his way for anybody ever and I'm not going to be able to teach him that in one incident and you know he's better now he's better now I'm left with like I said sadness because it's just like gosh why can't he just do it but I'm left with anger Because this system isn't working, and this this particular incident was a fail. It didn't teach us anything. It didn't teach him anything. It was just a battle of the wills, and sure, we did win. But I can't even stand how that feels. It feels wrong. I'm not trying to win. This is my, my kid. This is my son. He needs to grow, and he needs to mature, and he needs to have therapy. (laughs) And he needs to learn that it is okay to be vulnerable. And he is constantly now telling Mr. Four, we don't do nice, right, Mr. Four? We don't do nice. We don't say nice things. And Mr. Four, always wanting to be like his big brother, is like, yeah, we don't say nice things. It's like, great. Awesome. This is great. You know, I'm not sure that I can win that either. You know, Mr. Ford does look to Mr. Seven, and we have had the role model conversation, and I have complimented Mr. Seven when he does the right thing, and I have looked him in the eye, and, and, you know, we've discussed it. When he's proud of himself, it's okay for me to be proud of him, but if he doesn't think it's pride worthy, forget it. Okay, so this was the incident tonight, and I'm left, you know, a little scarred, but it wasn't the first, and it certainly won't be the last, and so here's what I want to say to you. You are not alone in this. You are not alone in raising a challenging child. The feelings of embarrassment or shame or guilt or anger or sadness while raising a challenging child are completely normal and probably happen all the time as they do with me. But at the same time, just know that you are more than that as a mother. Your child was meant for you. You were meant to be your child's mother. And so on those hard days, hence the title, people, I'm getting to something here. On those hard days, there are other mothers who understand what you're going through. And we are going through it too. And I do not have the solutions. I do not have the answers. What I do have is a listening ear and a hug if this weren't COVID times and I could meet you in person right? This is a camaraderie. This is a solidarity. This is an understanding and an acceptance. We're in this. We are in this, but we are amazing mothers. And together we will get through. And not only get through, but we're going to thrive because our children are lucky to have us because we get them. We get them on the deepest level that no other person can get. And I do believe that. I do believe that. A mother's love is like no other. And so we get our children and we do suffer and we do go through those hard times, but we also find such joy in the little things. And so when I hang up on this call, I'm going downstairs. We're going to practice the piano. I'm going to scoop him up and put him in my arms and all of my children. We're going to hug and we're just going to talk and we're going to laugh and we're going to say silly words because that's life. And we're going to get back to those good moments and move past a bad one. And I'll go to bed and tomorrow's a new day but I'm so glad so glad to be able to do this with you and I have to say I came running up here just get this out I feel so much better now keeping quiet about the struggles you face while raising a challenging child is damaging to your mental health and it has to come out and so I I couldn't wait I couldn't wait to share Because you guys get it. You get it. You're in the trenches with me. I know you understand. And so here's what I would love for you to do. (laughs) If you're feeling brave, if not, I totally get it. But if you're feeling brave, I want to hear a rough night story from you. I want to hear about a rough night. I want to hear about a rough moment. I want to hear about a rough day. Now, Obviously, if you're not comfortable, of course, I would never, ever ask you to do something you're not comfortable doing. But in some instances, you might feel better because no one's going to say, oh, you should have just blah, blah, blah. You could have just done X, Y and Z and that wouldn't have happened. No, there's nothing you could have done differently. So stop it with that guilt. There's nothing you could have done differently. So sharing it is kind of a release Like you're releasing this rough day or rough night or rough moment out into the world and then it's gone, floats away. So I would love to hear and be your listening ear for a rough moment for you, a rough night, rough day, rough moment, whatever. You can DM me on Instagram. You can reach out on Facebook. You can send me an email. You can go to my website. You can leave a review on the podcast. (laughs) There are many, many ways to reach me, but I want to hear it. Because we're in this together. On the hard days, and there will be many, 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 you are not alone. I'm so grateful that you joined me today and are supporting my mission of bringing mothers together. You can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word and on my website ontheharddays.com. I'd also love for you to join our active Facebook group where we talk more specifically about challenges our children are facing at On the Hard Days podcast and community. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast and please leave a review. This will allow even more mothers to find us and join the community. Thank you so much.